Welcome back to Sin Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7 says, And the high priest said, Are these things so? And Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred, and go into the land I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke to this effect, that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others, who would enslave them and afflict them four hundred years. But I will judge the nation that they serve, said God, and after that they shall come out and worship me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him out of all of his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. Now there came a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan in great affliction, and our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers on their first visit. And on the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. And Joseph sent and summoned Jacob and his father and all his kindred, seventy-five persons in all. And Jacob went down into Egypt, and he died. He and our fathers, and they were carried back to Shechem, and laid in the tomb that Abraham had bought for a sum of silver from the sons of Hamer and Shechem. But as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt until there arose over Egypt another king who did not know Joseph. He dealt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants so that they would not be kept alive. At this time Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight, and he was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him in as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. When he was forty years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wrong, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling, and he tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now when forty years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of a fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight, and as he drew near to look, there came a voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off the sandals from your feet, for the place you are standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness for forty years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside, and in their hearts they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, 
Make for us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who was led out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, and offered a sacrifice to the idol, and were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned away and gave them over to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring to me slain beasts and sacrifices during the forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You took up the tent of Molech, and the star of your god, Rephan, the images that you made to worship, and I will send you into exile beyond Babylon." Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it, according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers in turn brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David, who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who have received the laws delivered by angels did not keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears, and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city, and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. For today's nugget of truth, we're really just going to talk about what this entire chapter means in the continuing story of the early church. What we have here is Stephen taking a stand for the Lord before the Jewish leaders of the time. And as he does so, we see a fulfillment of what Jesus had foretold, and we see that written in Luke chapter 21, where in verse 12 he says, But before this... They will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake." but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. We see that this fulfillment of what Luke wrote in Luke 21 begins to come to fruition here in Acts chapter 7 at a greater significance than what we've seen previously. Sure, we've had Peter and John who have been in prison for what's going on. We've seen that that's taken place, but this is written to all those people who are going to come after him. If they have hated Jesus and they have killed him, they will do the same for his followers. We can look at John 15 and we can explore what that discusses about that whole relationship 
relationship between us and the world and the world and how they hated Christ and how the world will hate us because of that too as well. But here in this chapter, we see the striking words of Stephen in verse 51 that really display the heart of the people around him. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in your hearts and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. We see that these people around them have had the opportunity to respond to the gospel, but are instead choosing to strike out and to rise up against what they have heard and to fight and combat the growing work of God in their midst. They're stiff-necked, just like the people that Stephen has described throughout this chapter, the other people in the nation of Israel who are kicking against what God was trying to do with them and through them. Often God was working despite their unbelief, despite their negligence, and despite their lack of love in deciding to follow him, he was still continuing his plan for moving forward the gospel, moving forward the good news, and moving forward the restoration and reconciliation of the world. We see this chapter fulfilling and displaying how God is going to continue to move forward with what he's promised. Even though there's going to be opposition, and this opposition is fierce, as Stephen is martyred for his faith, we will see that the Lord's plans will continue to move forward towards the second coming, towards the consummation of the age. So this thought should really have at least two things that it stirs up in us. One, it's a warning about the way in which we will not fit in with the world around us. That should be an encouragement. That should be something that should allow us to withstand any of the persecutions or hardships that we endure because of the name of the Lord. It should also be a reminder of the ever-present help of the Lord with us in our times of conflict. And so this promise that was given to Stephen, we see that he is able to fulfill what it was written about in Luke 21 that foretold that there would be some who would die for the name of the Lord, but that by their endurance they will gain their lives. We see Stephen receiving the promise as he falls to his knees and cries out as he is taken up into the presence of the Lord. As for our question for today, I want to focus back in here on a word that we see in verse 43. It's here we find the phrase, in the star of your God, Refin. So the question is, hey, who is Refin? I think some of us have some familiarity with Molech or Moloch, who is the one who those people were sacrificing their kids to or called to sacrifice their kids to in the time of Exodus and other times growing forward from that point. We see that is a common thing, but this refin is not something that we have seen much of anywhere else. And so it's important for us to understand, hey, what is it talking about here? As we look into that, it's actually not mentioned many other places. This quotation that's here of Amos chapter 5, verses 25 through 27, does not include this type of word in it when we look back at what's going on. And so he's using the Septuagint translation of that passage. And as we look back at the original passage, we'll see a little bit about what it's talking about. Verse 26 in Amos 5 says, You'll take up Siketh your king, and Kiun your star god, and your images that you made for yourself. So he's talking about these things 
that they've taken up in the things that they're worshiping. And so it calls it Kiyun there. In our passage, it's saying Refan. But this focus is on what the Egyptians had in a worship of Saturn or a worship of that star god there. And so that's what Refan means here in this context. Important to draw that back to see. It's a further indictment about the lack of faithfulness of the nation of Israel that we've seen throughout Stephen's speech here in Acts chapter 7. So maybe that was your question. Maybe you have another question from the text. As always, discover the answer for that question. Seek it out. Find that either using the tools that you have or the people around you to help in the discussions of finding ways that you can answer those questions so that you're growing daily in your love of the Lord and your understanding of his scriptures. Know today you are loved. You're